0: Is the money worth it? Because you're you're printing for pennies, right? Like, say what it I is.
1: Haven't got paid yet, so okay. So so
0: there's no profit. Okay, yeah, we need money down. That doesn't work in hot market printing. Welcome to the big leagues. Okay, so so you don't get paid for the money.
1: It's It's not not for for the money.
0: money.
2: Hey, Pronouncers. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got Mr. Steven Farragh out of Campus Inc. Super excited there. Um, We've got a pretty cool episode, a shop owner who's gone from algebra teacher to successful shop and some things he's learned along the way and also how he got some bigger Warriors contracts, which, big question, was it profitable? We'll see real quick here soon, right after our sponsors. All right, first up, Multicraft. Have you heard of Multicraft Daddy? Have you heard of Multicraft Daddy, Farrag? I
0: I have, I I, I might know Dave Eggers.
2: Dave Eggers is at 421 followers He's doing great. I'm really proud of him. Thank you, David. Oh, 422, just changed. If you need ink supplies or daddy, Multicraft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years have been providing you with top brands at competitive pricing. Make sure to mention Printavo Podcast so you can get an extra 10% off your first order. Ferg, you guys order a ton from Multicraft as well. Yep. So thank you, Multicraft. Second up.
0: Supacolor is the world's best heat transfer made by screen printers for screen printers. Rum and the team at SuperColor understand firsthand exactly the pressures and expectations of the screen printing business. Rum came from the industry, and that's why they pride themselves on being super fast and super easy. I can't tell you how many times um, Supercolor has just bailed us out. Um, they ship within a couple of days. The quality is incredible. They hit all of their colors, and they have drastically transformed our business. Um, experience them for yourself using promo code PRINTABO15 and get 15% off. All right. Easy way.
2: Easy way. You shouldn't be spending all day cleaning dirty screens. Easy ways line of environmentally conscious chemicals. Get the job done faster, more efficiently, and cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. Easy way. Check them out. Buy them at your distribution or direct or whatever. They're great. And last but not least.
0: 1-900, 1-900 hot, stuff.
2: hot stuff. 1-900 hot stuff.
0: 1900hotstuff.com if you need a solution to improve efficiency reduce costs in your art department call 1900hotstuff.com actually the team at graphic source offers industry leading outsource options for your shop by truly becoming part of your team Um, lucas and good old nick wood and the team at graphics are fantastic so seps, mock-ups creative, order management, embroidery, digitizing, back office admin. They have 30 years in the game and they know and understand shop needs and have a proven track record. Hit up graphicsource.com and mention the Printavo podcast for 50% off your first vector separation or embroidery order.
2: Thanks, guys. What's up, Jeremy? What's going on, Bruce? Jeremy Steven got intro to me from James, who's our new C- CEO of Printavo and uh, Inksoft and uh james has been in the tech industry for a while so i'm kind of curious how you and well you jeremy and james met
1: uh yeah so we went to the same college at different times so um we're both products of occidental college a little liberal arts school in los angeles um and it's a small school 1600 students um so not you know it's a place where uh Essentially, if you know one person, you know everybody. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, so James um, was introduced to me through a mutual friend just recently. Um, he's like, hey, Jeremy, my friend Doug, who, you know, he's a sort of former Google guy and kind of went through all the tech world stuff. He's like, hey, Jeremy, you got to meet James. He's the uh, CEO of, of a company called Printavo. And I'm like, Printavo? Get out of here. Wait, what happened to Bruce? You know, I was like just a little, I was a little confused. Um, so I ended up reaching out to James and that's when I kind of caught up on a little bit of the, uh, you know, the interesting things that you guys have going on from a, you know, I guess a big picture industry standpoint with the consolidation and all that type of stuff that's happening. Yeah. Um,
0: Jeremy, how did, how did you know about Bruce? How did you know about Bruce from before that? Was it just like, uh, from trade shows or like, how did you know about Printavo?
2: Like or when those Printavo worlds collided? Or no? Say it again. Do you use Printavo? You, you don't. Oh yeah. It's okay, if oh, yeah. You know. oh, okay. Cool. No, no. Oh yeah. No, I
1: think uh, when when I spoke to James, he he did a little bit of sleuthing and you know dug into our account and I'm not sure what number we are, but we are an early adopter of Printavo. So really, you know, probably give me a I check mean, real quick. Yeah, go for it. Please take a look because right. I have no idea what the number is, but it's it was pretty early, I think. Um, you know, uh, it I would is say 2016. 2000, yeah, 2016. So I'm not sure how far along that was in your journey, but...
2: No, I'm sorry, 2015. I'm sorry, Jeremy. Wow. Jeremy, 2015 right there. Um, I don't think I was full-time. I was full-time in 2017, maybe?
1: Yeah, funny, you were doing funny, everything
2: yourself. Funny story.
0: <laughs> we would... Because Bruce and I met just on Facebook because, you know, Everyone I don't know why... Us. But uh, Bruce would go on his lunch breaks to Portillos and that's when we would meet up and talk about Printavo. I was like, wait, allegedly. you don't do this full time? He's like, No, I gotta get back to work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my um, gosh. You don't know a funny story about that? And I think I could tell it now. It's it's fine. But so one time I, I was at work, like I was I was doing UI design and, and stuff at this startup. And I, I would uh Usually it's just like wait until emails come across or if, you, you know, like you're sitting in the bathroom, you're either scrolling through Instagram Checking or you're, up. you're on emails yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it's like good checkup time, right? It's quiet. <laughs> um, and so I got a call from a random number, which I used Google Voice back then. And, um, I, you know, the first thing, ring, it's probably spam, Right. The second ring comes in and I'm like, oh shoot, it's from the same number. So obviously, you, you know, something's not right. It's trying to call twice. Yeah. So I, I don't answer because I'm like walking back in. The third time calls again and I'm like, oh shoot, this is like the, the app's down, so something's wrong. So I pick it up and I'm like, hey, this is Bruce from Printavo. how can I help? And, <laughs> you know, 30 minutes before this, I had interviewed a candidate for the startup uh, and I was just talking to him and then, you know, we hung up and he's like, wait, what? And I was like, "Uh, is this for Printavo? You have an issue? And he's like, no, no, no. This is like Nick. We, you know, we just did the interview. And I was just like... Oh shit! Like, crossing crossing a, the
1: worlds, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And he was friends with the founder, and I was like, "Oh man, not a good look." Yes, yeah, so I think
1: you know. Just to even to answer the question about how I found Printavo, like I've, I'm, I'm digging always digging for software. Like yeah. the software in in this industry has been missing for a long time. I've got some theories and some thoughts about all that stuff, but like Printavo, I feel like um, when I first discovered it, I'm like, "Oh, this is like literally." simple it's like it does color and size right you know like it you can put in some print information it collects money really easy it was just like a really really simple solution versus all the other ones i was looking at were just getting too complex for their own good right which just meant that it just wasn't usable right and so you know and and bruce i think you did a pretty good job of just like talking about things all the time right and i think a a, a lot similar way to i think ryan at ryan at did things right is by being by being so actively vocal about what you were doing it kind of led people like me that were just digging into some things it gave me some resources to like dig right um versus some other software it'll be like some stupid little one minute like um whiteboard video that says what it should be doing, but not actually what it does. For sure. (laughs) You know, and and I think that with with your software, it was kind of the opposite. Jeremy,
0: you said you had some theories on why our (laughs) industry is the way it is. I would love to talk about that for a second. What, what what do you mean by that? Let's, let's, let's dig.
1: So, okay. So a quick little story of like, I come from the world of software, right? Like back in dot-com days, so like 1998, 99, right? I was I was in encryption, which is where my my, my sort of uh, education background was, right? And so I had a software startup in 99. After the dot-com crash, right, I went into teaching math. So I was a math teacher for a couple of years, which mm-hmm. is when I kind of learned... About screen printing, <clears throat> you know, just like I feel like a lot of people like education and screen printing kind of go hand in hand because you got students, you got sports teams, you got all these organizations that sort of need, you know, something to, to, to wear and represent a pride. So I went into the screen printing world <clears throat> as a software person and an educator. Because
2: I saw the algebra yeah. teacher on your LinkedIn too. Is mm-hmm. that how you then got into screen printing? Like was it we needed some shirts yeah. or school spirit stuff? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Y
0: yeah. equals MX plus B, Bruce. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, funny story. Um, I One of my earliest t-shirt designs, I was in AP Physics, um, and you got to use a cheat sheet and that's
1: fucking genius
0: so you got to use a cheat sheet for your for your exams so the idea was why don't we take the cheat sheet of formulas right f equals ma and all the crap they give you and we would put it on the back of everyone's shirts
2: oh my
0: and then (laughs) and then uh we had to use smart physics or we had to use like (laughs) teachers one of those smart physics so we had like green check parts green check marks complete me and so you would wear your shirt on test day and the That's whole smart. room would be wearing bright, safety orange shirts. And uh, I got to work with my physics teacher, Mr. Matt, on it. Um, yeah. and Matt, genius. Yeah. That
2: is
1: genius. I, genius I, don't, uh, I don't know
0: if I've ever told that story. That that I'm is. really excited That's about genius. that. That's also,
1: something that will go viral. Like, yeah. And, it's, and it's that, it all comes down to like, how do you use these things, right? These T-shirts, that we, the you know, the proverbial widget, right? That's where I got really interested and curious about shirts was – one, it was like how you use them, like that example, uh, Stephen, that you just said is like, you know, it, it, it's a way, to some degree, it's like, you know, not cheating the system. Like that's a way I probably would have used it. It's like, oh, we're not allowed uh, cheat sheets, but here I'd print a T-shirt with all the formulas on it. And my teacher would be like, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, but that's not a cheat sheet. It's just a T-shirt, it's right? A you know, shirt. you find, Yeah, exactly. You find like a little way to, to flip it, right? Um, and for me, it was all about like, I recognize like all the pride that I was able to like bestow upon kids. Right. We're like the black student union. They like never had t-shirts before. And all of a sudden, and I, uh, long story short, but I was the advisor, the faculty advisor to the black student union at the high school I was at. Um, cause I was, you know, the kids were like, Castro, you're the closest person to a black, you're the closest to a black person in our school, right? Mm-hmm. Teacher. And I'm like, sh- like it's a whole nother sort of topic in of itself. But the first thing I did was like, we got to get you guys t-shirts, right? So then when they're walking around campus, everybody knows that like the Black Student Union was like making, it was a force on campus. And so one of the first shirts I did was for the Black Student Union. And I recognized the, just like the sense of pride that they got when they got to wear their shirts, right? And like that, that was what hooked me, right? And so kind of to get back into this like uh, theory side of things, I They asked me to go because I was working on an emergency credential, right? So I wasn't a credentialed teacher. So I did two and a half years of teaching before they're like, Jeremy, you have to go get your teaching credentials. And I'm like, nah, I think I'm going to go explore some other things. So I went to uh, business school and uh, my goal was to like determine if this t-shirt thing was something that was a little bit bigger than just t-shirts, right? Like learn the industry and kind of dig into kind of, the foundational side of this, of this thing that I was like, man, I think I want to dedicate a long time to this. I want to make sure it's something that's, um, that's got some, you know, something to really grab onto besides just the act of printing shirts. So I kind of dug into it and I was like, man, this is like a super fragmented industry, right? Meaning like, yeah, there's some big giants in this industry, but at the end of the day, it's so fragmented. And usually the sign, when you see fragmented industries like that, it sort of says that like, well, There isn't like fragmented industries don't necessarily always attract like a lot of investors, right? Where they're like, oh, we're going to go in and it's going to we're going to get these five big customers and this and this. It's more like, oh, we got to go in and like find a million customers, which is pretty hard to do sometimes. Right. And so the fragmented side of it was really interesting to me because it was like, man, you can come in and make a real big impact in the competition. You're not like battling a Goliath all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So you could be a screen printer, come into the market and you're battling the other small screen printers in your market. It's not like, you know, um, Bruce
0: and I talk a lot about construction (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we've had some really bad construction (laughs) contractor experiences. And that's something we were texting about, right? Like Bruce, it was like, what if we just made like a slightly better, like customer service focused, like, Lawn landscaping company, you know, and I think it's a lot of it is like what you just said there is it's a fragmented and old industry, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's not a lot of tech in it. And I think that's people don't actually, when they look at businesses before they start, do they actually sit and evaluate that? You might be one of the (laughs) first people we've talked to on the podcast that does most people are like, I needed band merch, (laughs) right? Um, that's interesting that you took like a, a scientific approach to it. So then did you get your MBA or were you in, yeah. you were in business school? So I, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I did my MBA. I moved up to uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, went to university of British Columbia, um, kind of wanted to go check Canada out. And, and so when I went and kind of like looked into it, I was like, Oh man, this is an industry that would be really fun to get into because there's, I think there's really uh, ways you can make an impact. Right. And, and the way I sort of what I did my first thing before I even got into real screen printing is, um, I started a brand with, with, uh, with my cousin, right. He was like a big designer at echo at the time and, and one basketball, he was looking for a way to, to fully express himself without sort of the confines of working for another brand. Right. And so he pitched this idea of this like lifestyle basketball brand, um, And so him and I got together and we started a brand called Underground. And so we had, you know, it was, you know, from 2005 to 2010 when I was like fully immersed in it. And that was kind of like my first post-NBA project where I kind of went in, not as from a screen printer view, but more of like my cousin was a designer. He needed help building the infrastructure of, you know, building a clothing line, which, you know, he's since gone on to like crush things in so many ways. And so what I've done now with brand marinade was come in and say, okay, now I want to take that infrastructure I built for the clothing brand and apply it and offer it to other people that are like 10 years ago. The idea of a brand was a lot different than it was 30 years ago, right? Like a brand was Nike. It was, you know, these big established things, you put money into branding. Now it's like, you could be a social influencer, and you are a brand, right? And so the idea was to provide infrastructure to to this new idea of what a brand was.
0: All right, so this is crazy. That <laughs> I don't think I've heard that career trajectory: uh, software engineer dot com crash, algebra teacher, business school, <laughs> brand manager, now screen printer. All right, <laughs> okay, okay. Let's.
2: T- I, did you did I you, have, you buy a shop to get into it? Or did you buy the equipment? No,
1: feeling that way. No. So my first machine, my uncle, he was an entrepreneur, did a lot. Of, always had his hand in something. And when I was teaching, he was like, "Hey, Jeremy, you want the screen printing machine I have?" And I'm like, "Ooh, of course I do!" Right. And so I set it up in my parents' basement of an old Victorian, and eventually I moved into a live work warehouse space. So I had it in my like I lived with it. And yeah. this this screen printing machine, it it got its original start. In a prison, in San Quentin prison, which is where it was initially used back in like the early nineties, for like uh, some like training. Job yeah, training. like a job training program.
2: We've sold to um, a couple um, prison uh, job training. It's funny because we'll be at a trade show and then all of a sudden these police officers come up and you're like, uh. And, and they're it. like, oh, yeah, we have this job training thing. We're looking for some mm-hmm. software to help teach business skills. It's like, oh, OK, cool.
1: <laughs> and, and I feel like that's like screen printing is, I think, a very, very um, it, it could teach a lot of skills. Right. And so it doesn't matter where you are, or what time in your life, there's like. There's, you know, and this kind of goes back to the education side of my life, right? It's like, oh, this is something you could teach anybody. And if you could teach them this, and and that's where, like, I teach people customer service. Like, okay, guys, like, we're managing these e-commerce sites. Let's teach you customer service skills because that's a skill that's transferable nowadays to anywhere because everywhere is online. Everyone needs to use something like Mm -hmm. Zendesk as a customer service platform. And I feel like this screen printing in general is a great way where you get these people who maybe don't have a lot of skills and you can teach them a bunch of things that then become transferable to other, other industries or other jobs. Right. You it's know like what?
2: A, With that actually too, I'm kind of curious um, and this just popped up. So sorry, I, I, I'm kind of interrupting on this. If you, if you were to, if you were to start again, obviously, you know, family was like, okay, we, you know, it was a connection to get this press. If you were to start again, and this is for you too, Farragh, a lot of folks have said they either get started in their home and scale up, and and you know slowly ramp up, or they've bought some sort of small shop. Would you have gone back to buy a shop? Obviously, like one 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 option has a lot less risk, right? Because you're buying, you're starting small, you're able to see if you're even into it and be able to scale slowly into there. The other one you may have a small team, right? That that comes with the shop, maybe four or five people or something that, that can get you ramped up. Um, a bit of a process, some customers maybe to start off with, you know, a, a little bit more, uh, obviously expensive, but has more of a foundation. W- what would you have done going back? And then I wanna, I'm want to. curious on yours, Steven.
1: Uh, I think the way I did it was the only way I could do it. For okay. me, like I like I I went into it because I like when I had my brand I was like we were we were like a, most of our money when I had this brand we were doing a couple million bucks a year in revenue wow like I feel like that's not a small a third brand of it was going a that's not a small brand to, yeah because we, we were we were in a, we were in like 300 doors 300 retailers around the US and, and there was no social
0: right? media you were like MySpace was just coming out
1: yeah, it was like books. Facebook was I remember just right? lookbooks. It was yeah. like constantly yeah. sharing PDFs. Yeah.
0: So you were yeah. in 300 brick and mortar stores. Yeah. Boots on the ground. A couple million dollars yeah. in sales. Keep going.
1: Yeah. And so a big chunk of our our cost was going to our screen printers, right? Mm-hmm. And we were we were making some of our stuff. We were doing cut and sew stuff in Columbia, but our bread and butter was always the screen printed T shirt or hoodie, like straight up. No matter every every month, I'd write a check to the screen printer. And I was like, man, guys, we really need to do this in-house. Like mm-hmm. we need to be printing our own shirts, right? And it wasn't because of the cost, like I wasn't really looking at cost savings or anything like that. I was looking more at like speed and agility, right? Mm-hmm. That was that was the area that I was the most focused on. And so when I built this shop, the brand marinade shop, my goal was how to create a shop with speed and agility in its foundation. So if I would have bought a shop they would have been like, oh, well, this is how we do things. And I would have been sort of stuck with like the, the routine and the, the methodologies that they had, which necessarily weren't always built around speed and agility. So the shop that, w- that I was crafting was one where I wanted to make sure that I could do the things that as a brand I needed to get done, but screen printers hated doing.
2: On the on on the buy or start from scratch, it sounds like start from scratch because you get to you get to craft it as what you want, which makes total sense. Hmm.
0: Steven? Um, so I was 22 years old and I knew nothing about screen printing. Totally. Um and so I bought into a very small shop with really bad habits. Right. Um and there were a lot of growing pains there, meaning like to your point, Jeremy, I wanted to bring customer service, speed, and agility—those kind of like twenty-twenty, you know, principles—and I would always fight my business partner, my old business partner, on it. Be like, "Well, we've always done it this way. We've always, it this way. we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way." And so, uh, there were some really dark times where I didn't think it was going to work because there was like new age of thinking versus old age of thinking or old way of thinking. That being said, we bought him out. Um, but uh, you know, for me though, I think the learning curve to get into printing, I didn't I don't think I had the like, I probably would have gotten bored or found something else to do or like not given it everything. And so for me, I think it was best for my situation. Um, and then, you know, it was foundational because it was a little community print shop and there was something to at least jump off of. But I think to your point, you knew screen printing, you had a couple million dollar business already. You, you saw the inefficiencies in the market and you knew a ton about it. So now you can make, you know, a pivot, pivotal move. I think it really matters. I don't know, Bruce, what do you think is better?
2: (laughs) You know, that's a really good point. There is, is a, there was a tweet that I've, uh, this guy, uh, runs a big tech company, but basically one of the things he, he was talking about M&A, just buying companies and t- for growth, right? So um, like how we interviewed some shops who would buy another company for sales and say we're going to bring along 50% of their sales or something and the rest will churn out. But um, they said that you know the owner will help transition things, but uh, he said remove them as quickly as possible, <laughs> um because the they're like they're baked into their ways they're probably more stubborn right just like we are you know with with our business and how we think it should be run um so it's kind of interesting and then culturally for sure other people more malleable and if not then it's starting to get on the recruiting train but uh it's it's just kind of interesting right because it's like um can can you buy back time versus getting a little bit further with 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 some with something that has a little bit more process baked in, um, or or for sure craft the, the kind of life you want? But I don't know. That was this kind of interesting. Wait. So so you mentioned actually um, you mentioned the warriors which i saw an article on your linkedin was talking about i think it was 150,000 shirts and you know uh,
1: it was, was pr- 150,000 prints more likely right so oh okay maybe, okay <clears throat> probably 85,000 90,000 shirts or something did you have like to do that. the neck tags no oh, that's about good. the reflective <laughs> sticker and- no yeah so, we did we had to do the, some of the reflective so jeremy stickers. was this
0: hot market printing
1: yeah. it was yeah so it was, there were two there were two components one was the in stadium freebie stadium shirts that they give for every home game. The mm-hmm. ones they drape over the seats. And then there was the hot market stuff with, uh, with uh, Tegra and Nike, um, you know, and that was stuff where like, like they're not the best jobs to do. It, you know, it's like, it, it's a grind, like a super duper grind. Right. Um, but for me, I'm like, okay, like this is a good test on speed and agility, like the super duper test on speed and agility. Cause if the Warriors win, we have to figure out how to print 10,000 shirts in a day. Right. Right. You don't, you don't always have, you can't say you could do something sometimes until you actually do it.
0: Right. So, and, and for scale, how big is your shop, Jeremy? Uh, how many autos?
1: Two autos. Okay. Yeah. So we got two autos. Yeah. So you guys were
0: up, (laughs) up, up to the, that's, that's insane. So, um, Let me ask you this on the hot market side. So for yeah, those that explain, don't know, like,
2: yeah, explain hot market, what that is.
0: Okay. So hot market, um, there, there are license holders that have the licenses to, 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 you know, to sell uh, championship shirts, whether it's final four NBA, whatever. And they go to various shops around the country where the market is hot. And they'll say, Hey, if the warriors win, you know, we have a PO for 50,000 units but this is how much you're gonna make, this is how they have to be folded, and this is the production speed, and you don't really have a, too much of a say in it. Um, we do it for Illinois, because we're Illinois fans and we're in Champaign. We wouldn't hot market print for the Bulls, because that's two hours away in Chicago, right? So there has to be a reason why you do it, which I think, Jeremy, you said like would be a cool test. Um, now let me ask you this, what about the orders that were going straight to the Warriors? Were those less strict? Because they weren't—they uh, were giveaway yeah. shirts.
1: Yeah, they were. Uh, they were also one color on gold shirt, like navy. They're black nice. ink on gold shirts, so like you know, all day long, right? Um, and they were also. We usually had about four or five days to turn them around because it was all kind of predicated of like how the playoffs were going, right? So there was sort of the the, the hard deadline, fast turn. Um, it, there was is no that folding. the relationship? Extra is that the
0: relationship you had with the Warriors? Or... No, it
1: was it was through um another you know there's 10 layers of all this stuff all the time right mm-hmm. and so what i think that to me the most interesting then just going back to this uh fragmented industry side of the game right like to where the conversation was originally started one and you and you mentioned this Stephen, about um you know your old partner stuck in his old ways bad habits right like there one of the other things that really interested me about this industry was you know, when it got kicking in the 70s, right? Like it was when screen printing shops sort of started like showing their face, right? Because it became this thing that people were like, oh, printed shirts was like this new thing. Well, a lot of those people that were running shops all started in like the 70s and the 80s, which meant that, you know, come in 2010 or 2020, these people are in their 70s, 60s, 70s, 80 year year old people, which means they're not thinking about future technology. They're thinking about like, You know, how do we keep this thing just purring along like it is with less headaches as possible? And I feel like the industry was filled with print shops that were owned by old people, you know, and and typically that means that's when I feel like innovation will start to dry up just a little bit because people are stuck in their habits and their old ways and the way they've been doing it for 20 or 30 years. Right. And so going back to this Warriors thing and the hot market thing in particular, a lot of shops during COVID have shut down. And most of the shops shut down, I think were the older shops that were run by sort of the previous generation of screen printers. And they're the ones that weren't necessarily ready for like the shitstorm that was coming, right? With like COVID and how reliant we were going to be on technology to do everything. And then they're also like, I'm ready to retire, right? Like I'm done. This is it. So what happened with this hot market thing, say the championship shirt specifically <clears throat> a lot of the old school hot market printers weren't around anymore. So, you know, they're calling their hot market, like, Oh shit, these people aren't here anymore. Cause the last time the so one you're was, was pre pandemic. Yeah, exactly. So it opened up opportunities for somebody like me to get the call, you know, and I, I've got a pretty good network of folks, right? Like that was one of the things that I came into this game with was a really strong, just network of people that I work with. Um, and t-shirts to me, was like people come to me to solve problems with things and t-shirts is one of the things that i was like oh, i need to make sure this is in my repertoire because people are asking for it so i have to be able to make sure that i can can do it right that's kind of my philosophy on the services that i offer is like what do people ask me for
2: what was it like uh that that getting that order having i mean how many was hours
0: is your biggest you order do? yeah is that your
1: not each one was only about 10 to 15,000 units, but there was like a lot of them. But when we looked at it, it was like, okay, we're going to stack. um What do we do? Five boxes of t-shirts on every cart. So it's like, okay, we have one cart. Let's start with that. Five more boxes. And we had like 30 carts lined up. Right. And like, so like I, I looked at it just as like one little piece rather than like the biggest thing ever. And that just sort of made things more manageable. Did right? you guys
0: run 20 hours a day, 24 hours a day, 12 hours no. a day? No. The That's only time hours. we did,
1: yeah, we were doing basically 12 hour days. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. It was, I mean, it's exhausting cause it's, it's a, it's a marathon. Um, but we were, we were able to crank things out. And one of the keys was like, cause we had to do sleeve prints, right? Like that was mm. the, <clears> there's <throat> a front print and a sleeve print for the sponsor. We have uh, one of those little rapid tag, um, presses, and we were able to print the sleeves because, you know, luckily it was a black print on a gold shirt. I think we were getting about 1,200 units an hour on that thing, right? So he would go at it for like five hours straight and get like six 6,000 shirts done, <laughs> you know, sleeves. And it was like, you know, so we got to really like play around, I think, with something that we don't normally get to do, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's a little bit of an experiment. It's like, okay, one is how do we organize all the T-shirts how do we? What kind of like workflow do we set up? And it's all about you know quality. Obviously, is the most important thing. But then the next one is like speed and efficiencies, right? Is there
2: any like what, what were any tips that that you picked up on that you could share with somebody else who's you know maybe picking up their first hot market job?
1: I'd say so for the hot market, like the cha- the NBA championship stuff, which to me was like the the most pride I've ever gotten out of a T-shirt because these shirts yeah. keep giving. Like I just keep seeing images pop up and. One of my guys found a thread on um, Reddit that said this year's uh, championship shirts are like better than the years previous, and the shirts look so much better in real life. Like talking about how nice the print was and stuff like that, right? And I'm like, this is literally
0: that's a rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, and we got to like print the Nike logo, which to me is like one of my sort of bucket list things. Right. Which was pretty nice, but you I think it's the Nike like,
0: logo on what brand of shirt.
1: Are you allowed to say no, it, was a, it was a Nike, it was a Nike shirt. Okay. Like, that's uh, good. Made, made by Gildan, I believe is the, is where they're coming from. I mean, they make, they make everybody's shirts probably. So um, the advice that I give say with that project particular, because we didn't know how many we were going to print. We got, well, we knew how many we were going to print. We just didn't know if it was going to happen. So the way that I, organized everything and i think the key to these kind of jobs is having a really good game plan going into it because when you're talking about 10 12,000 shirts and you got to turn them around in like you know 24 hours or or you know day and a half or something like that you can't go into it and try to figure things out while you're in it because the sheer volume of everything you can't pivot very fast right like if you go and you start stacking T-shirts and you're stacking them, you know, face, you know, with the, the front down versus the front up. And then you're like, you get to the press and like, oh, we're printing fronts, but they're the wrong way. And you got to figure out how to like either get somebody to flip all the, the stacks of shirts on the cart or you have to like get the printer to adjust what they're doing. And when you're talking 10,000 units, like you can't go into it and make those those adjustments, right? You have to go into it sort of knowing a good flow plan of everything that you're doing. And so that's where I spent a lot of my time beforehand was creating a system, a labeling system of how we are going to organize things, having all of my different pods coming in and, and the Nike people, they were really, um, cause I guess the way I solved the problem was different than the way most other people were solving the problem in the past. Uh, meaning like the way I was organizing things and, and the key with them is everything was on the, um, what do they call it they called it a musical a musical uh, size run and the musical size run was like one small two mediums four larges three extra larges two oh, to grab it so the like, that, was, that, mm-hmm. that was their that was their ratio so everything mm-hmm. they did was in that ratio and so one of the keys that i said was well if we're going to get into this long print job i can't like especially because they had trucks coming throughout the night we, to pick you want to be up. able to
0: box them as they're coming box off the down. press,
1: yeah, exactly. And I couldn't be sitting there like have waiting for larges to come off the press, right? And so what I did was I organized the ten thousand shirts we had into basically groups of I don't know it was like six or seven hundred units probably, and I broke up each group. So we had ten different groups or twelve, I think it was. Each group had one box of small, two boxes of mediums, four boxes. So of the large ratios street. were there? So it was the ratio. So at any given time, we had the correct ratio of completed product minus maybe whatever's still on the press. So that way I was never waiting for a specific do, size. Do you think, but- Jeremy,
0: it was – so uh, like a lot of people get wide eyes when they see these orders. And I I've, we've taken some good hot, hot markets some bad ones. Um, is the money worth it? because you're you're printing for pennies, right? Like say what it is.
1: I haven't got paid yet. So Okay, no so money so yet.
0: there's no profit. F- okay. Yeah, we need money down. That doesn't work in hot market printing. Welcome to the big leagues. Okay. So so you don't get it's paid not up for front. the money.
1: It's not, it's for, not for, the for the money. money. I think it, for me it was being able to be tied to this current playoff run, you know, so I'm I'm doing it for some of these um self-gratification and you're in your name, right. San Francisco, so you're, this is you're like a fan. Yeah, so, yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. so like
0: the TVs are on while you guys are printing, right? Like, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: that's important. It it does. Like, we don't want to hot market print. We hot market for Illinois, and when they lost, they're like, "Hey, you want to print for Loyola?" We're like, "No, we don't want to do that." Like, they're like, "We'll ship you four thousand maroon shirts." Like, now we're good there is some something there about about like that pride in your team
1: yeah so <laughs> do you think you could also- tell
2: them like say i know we'll do it and nail it just like we did last time now that you set this relationship up but it's mm-hmm. gonna
1: be x probably like i i think um i could have negotiated for for uh, a higher per piece price on this one but i wasn't like uh, it was just as much of an experiment for me as anything. Right. So I didn't, um, you know, which is the way I, I utilize this whole business has been a big experiment. Right. Um, which is because I want to keep going back to this, like industry fragmentation and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think that that's to me just to bring sort of things full circle is when I, when, when I uh, spoke to James about what, you know, Oh shit. Printavo is like, like I just was behind on the industry news. And I was like, oh, man, this is a sign that the fragmented industry that we're in is not going to be as fragmented as it used to be. Like with what happened with Inksoft and Printavo, right? This, this sort of acquisition, consolidation. And I was like, this is kind of what I've been waiting for for the last 15, 20 years of printing is I've kind of been waiting for somebody to come in and recognize from a software perspective that this industry is something worth chasing, Because it's one, it's humongous, but the problem with the fragmentation of it is that it's hard to get all the customers and unify everybody, and there's no standardization. And when there's no standardization, that means that everybody's doing things their own way, right? And I think that what I'm so interested about what's going to happen with the Printavo future is like, okay, in theory, you guys have a bunch of resources now, right? And you're going to be able to start looking at innovation a little bit um, more focused, right? Like you probably have resources now where, you know, when you were doing it by yourself and working another job, you know, you can only do so much. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that w- the way I'm looking at things now is that, like, okay, <clears throat> some big money has gone into the industry from a software perspective, which means now standards can start to be created. I think that to me is the first move of creating a less fragmented industry is by having good software that everybody's using that starts to standardize things. Right. And then once this industry becomes less fragmented, we become more efficient, right. And efficiencies, you know, then it's like, then the competition changes a little bit too, because you're working on such a high level of service rather than, trying to figure out all your processes and just get the print right you know, or get the colors right or get the sizes right. You're more focused now on providing the service. I,
2: I would argue that the, the, that because the barrier of entry is low, it like anybody can go and buy equipment or spend 5k, you know, and get started. And obviously that's a lot of money, but still that you, you know, you can run a business and you can get pretty far off of that. Um, that that encourages people to come in and, and still keeps the fragmentation uh, as even if there's a consolidation on the, the shops side, it, it creates vacuums and voids, just like being an algebra teacher and seeing the shirts and, oh, I can print it. All right, here you go. Here's your job. And then, you know, you're able to sell in your community. So, and so, Bruce,
0: what you're saying is every day in printing, the barrier to entry is getting lower and lower, meaning 15 years ago you had to buy a riley four x four burn screens now you can get a heat press and super color right so that, yeah. that's that's going to apply a lot of pressure to those that are already in the space to create some like defensibility right i so, think there's a
2: there's a cap but there's so much promotional products but, out there
0: but 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 what has to happen is the way our, the way you create like defensibility is by offering services that complement the product that you have that mm-hmm. that create those moats around it, like e-commerce, yeah. like being being able to do what other people can't do, which is what technology is leveraging our industry to do. I read a quote um, uh, on LinkedIn. It said, "When you're trying to introduce disruptive technology into an industry." The number one competitor is the industry's unwillingness to change.
2: Interesting,
0: right? And um, uh, I thought it was it was interesting because like there's a lot of times I don't feel like it happens as much, Bruce. But earlier on, like on trade show days, people were fighting us like hard. Like, yeah. why should I, you know, do this? Why? Why should I run online stores? Right? Like, why? Uh, that's not our bread and butter. Or why should I? Why should I print with transfers? I'm a screen printing junkie. I love ink, right? And I feel like we we fight each other out of our unwillingness to change, and that, you know, that 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 hurts hurts, right? I don't know.
1: I love that the barrier to entry is uh, manageable, right? Because that's going to keep fresh people coming into this world, right? Now the question though is when you become when you outgrow the garage or basement shop, right. And become that next phase, right. Like it's going to be a matter, I think of, okay, if you're just printing t-shirts, like that's one way to go. But I think Stephen, what you're saying is that, like, and this is the belief I have is what new services can the screen, can the screen printing, like people come in for t-shirts to me, like I have a corporate account. They needed like, I was uh, in Guam visiting, like my, visiting my dad, where my dad's from, right, with the Pacific Islands. And it was 2018, my first vacation in a long time. I was gone for like three weeks. Come back, and I'm just digging through projects that got done while I was gone. I was like, "Ooh, who's this? Like, I've never heard of these people." And it was just this bank that that is now one of my biggest clients, and they um, needed like 24 T-shirts. I don't know, something tiny, right? and I kind of dug into it and I'm like, Ooh, this is somebody that's interested And I ch- couldn't figure out where the lead came from. Then next thing you know, they sent, Hey, um, we have another project. Can we talk about it? And it turns out it was for, uh, like, uh, vests like Patagonia style, you know, like uh, fleece vests for like 3000 employees. And I'm like, you know, call it an average of like 65 bucks per unit or something like that. Right. 3000 employees. That's a huge job. <clears throat> and like, and all of a sudden, that one T-shirt, and then then it became not just 3,000 employees, but I had to get the sweatshirts to all 3,000 employees because they were you know all over the United States at different locations, not even on the remote side yet, right? And so the services that, I, that I'm offering them now is like this combination of printing and embroidery because I did acquire an embroidery shop. That's how I expanded into embroidery, right? Um, but now I'm doing... Data collection from them. I'm doing all the, their like retail printed materials and collateral. I'm doing all the fulfillment for the remote workers. You know, keeping them like all the swag stuff that they need. And I think that what it means if once I was able to focus less on like how to successfully print T-shirts, right? Which meant I needed a good process, some good software, a procurement process, good printers. You know, all the things that kind of come with that. Then I was able to start focusing a little bit more on the different variety of services that we offer. And I think that that's kind of where I'm getting at with this consolidation that's going to start happening. This is in that world where services are going to start coming together.
2: You know what you know what it is. There's a natural progression of a business that starts out, especially specifically a screen printing shop. You start, you start small. You'll do any job for work at any price. You just want to get stuff in the door. You want to you want to print. You want to make some money, and you're like, wow, I made you know five hundred bucks, five thousand bucks. It's awesome, right? It feels really good. Then you grow, you start hiring people, your overhead gets higher and you're like, wow, I was pricing these things in a a way that doesn't make any sense. And I was probably hurting myself, but I was taking my competitor's price and just subtracting five cents. And then you raise your minimums up because everybody's like, you know, you gotta raise your minimums, makes sense. So now you're at 12 then you've got 10 people or something and then you raise them to 50 right and then you kind of sit there and you raise prices and and you do more right and and you become a bigger you know you get an embroidery and screen printing and fulfillment and all this stuff right and and you kind of hover in that area but that seems to be the natural progression and and then as there's this gap here for the zero to 50 orders somebody else it's like it's like somebody crawls out of the crack but, right but
0: you also the part is other services right like uh when you start to mature in your businesses you figure out other ways to keep it afloat in case the shirts run out right so when you talk about it there, like jeremy like they're not going to leave you because you do their data collection because you do their fulfillment because yeah, exactly. you're shipping to everywhere across the united states like at Campus Inc, we have this thing. We say the T-shirt comes last. Everyone else can print a T-shirt. So let's think of everything else that a customer is going to need first, and the T-shirt comes last. If we do everything else, and that's how like we 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 keep calling it moats. Uh, like how do we build moats around our customers and clients and cement them in for life? Because that's what I'm I'm scared of is who's going to be the you know 25 year old jackass Steven that wants to beat me in five years, right? Um, I don't know.
1: There was a there was a guy that came in. I put um, I had like all this ink that when I acquired this embroidery shop, there was like gallon like f- five gallon drums of this old ink from like the eighties, right? Like which is still actually most of it was still pretty good. But I put it on Craigslist and I'm like, hey, anybody that wants any you know good plastisol inks and some some guy his one of his employees, a guy from San Mateo, like 45 minutes away. One of his employees came by, picked up some. And I started talking to him. Next thing you know, the owner of the screen printing shop comes by because he's like, hey, can I come and check out your shop? I'm like, yeah, come on in because I give tours to people, stuff like that. Excuse me. And so then um, he's like looking around. He's like, where do you get all your customers? He's like, I've been doing this for 30 years. You know, and he's like, I can only get like the plumbers in the restaurant. He's like, how are you getting this big brand or this? celebrity or this and this and this right and i feel like when you bruce you're saying sort of these this gap right like be in the garage shop to become in the next big shop it's not whether you could print t-shirts better right because we can all like there's a there's a you know one of my friends has a shop in his own garage and he prints like the best shirts i've ever seen right like they're just beautiful <clears throat> but he doesn't want to do anything more than that he does his own stuff right but the to me the fate the next phase of like how do you be, you know, that new, that new person that comes into the market in their garage or whatever, their small little shop, it's really now a matter of like, can you find the people to print shirts for? Like, just cause you can get into the market doesn't mean you're going to be able to service the market. Right. And I think that's where I think this, like, to me, this next phase of the game of where the industry is going is it is going to be the people that, are thinking about innovating that aren't just like, oh, I want to print T-shirts. It's more like, oh, I want to service this, this interesting like need that's out there. And then also trying to think about what the need is going to be in five years, not just what people need today, right? And I think that just going back to the software side, by creating standards and having a software platform that's going to allow us to just get the shirts printed, right. And, and manage that process effectively, then we could start thinking about the other things, right. Like, like kind of like the hierarchy of needs, right. Like most shops are like struggling with like, okay, how do I get an invoice that makes sense? Cause if I'm doing it in QuickBooks and I have to do like all oh, my line item, this, or maybe I just say t-shirts and 200. Right. And they, that's, and they're like six bucks a piece versus t-shirts, you know, it's, you know, whatever all style, 1301 black, and you list all the print colors, locations, and, you know, all the details of that shirt. And then you say, I want 20 smalls, 20 mediums, like that invoice versus the other invoice, right? The, the QuickBooks version, right? <clears throat> and think about all the data that is in each one. And if you're doing the QuickBooks version of it, and you don't have any data in there, there's no way you're going to be able to scale your service, right? Software is going to, there's always going to be room for the next person to come in, right? Which is what I like about the industry, because it, it's going to keep it super innovative. The more people you have coming in, the more fresh blood comes in. Like you just said that, Stephen, you said the 22, the, you know, the next 22 year old version that wants to be what you and what you're doing, they're going to come in and be like, why is everybody doing it like this? You know, like, like, oh, there's gotta be a better way. <laughs> right. And like, but that's going to lead to is essentially it's going to what I think is going to lead to innovative ways of solving the same problems. Right. And and um, and that's what I get super excited about, because there was so much room to innovate in this industry. Right. That like but it took it took, you know, I'm a, I am ai have an M&R machine, but I think to me, the rock is like the most innovative of the machines. Right. We can play that. We could play that whole game, but
2: I Jeremy, when I'm uh next time I'm in Bay Area, I got you on my list to hit up. It'd be cool to do a shop tour. Um
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: This has been a dope episode though. Thanks for for, for sharing the background and everything. Um, everybody, this is Jeremy Castro. You can find him at Brand Marinade, of which I really like brandmarinade.com. So check that out too. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really well laid out website. But appreciate everybody listening to the Print Oval podcast. We'll see you guys in the next episode.